Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling. And despite some of my neighbours already decorating their yards with Halloween paraphernalia, like eight-foot animatronic werewolves, I'm not kidding, and I know, summer is still clinging on with its fiery fingertips. It is still boiling here pretty much 24-7, 35 degrees at midnight one day this week. I have literally forgotten what it's like to be a bit chilly. (laughs) Because it is still so hot, there is still a lot of wildlife around in the evenings. And this week I had a close encounter with one of the locals. I was out walking the dogs one night around 10 o'clock and unusually it was just me with both hounds, with a full-grown husky and a juvenile but massive Malamute. She's actually already bigger than the husky, only nine months old. It's usually a two-person job to take out both of the dogs if you want your arms to remain in the sockets anyway. But Dave was done in from work, he'd fallen asleep on the sofa and so I ventured out alone. And all was going fairly smoothly. I mean, the usual battle to keep your arms attached every time they spot a rabbit, which around my neighbourhood is about six times every single walk. There are loads of bunnies around here. Um, All, generally, was going very well. (sighs) Then I turned the corner in the street. And we're talking full-on suburbia here. I mean, detached houses of various sizes, all fairly close together. We're not talking huge plots of deserty land or anything like that. But I turned the corner and came face to face with the biggest coyote I've ever seen. And the closest I'd ever been to one as well. Just trotting down the middle of the road, just a couple of feet away from me, like he owned the joint. Now, coyotes usually anywhere between the size of very big foxes and small Labradors. But they're super skinny. They've got quite foxy faces as well. This one was a big lad nearly as big as Juno the husky. But as I said, he was totally unfazed to come across one human and two dogs late at night. He didn't break stride, he didn't turn his head, just trotted on past. My two hounds, on the other hand, went berserk. Now, there was no barking, but they both instantly went into some kind of zone, panting, really loudly, pulling like mad on their leads, doing that sort of leaping up and their front paws coming off the pavement and straining like anything to get to that coyote. It made me realise that when they pulled on leads to try and get after rabbits, they had only unleashed a very small percentage of their strength because, good grief, this was a whole new experience. I have no idea how I managed to stay upright, let alone hold on to the both of them because they really wanted to get to that coyote. Now, after what seemed like absolutely ages, but was probably about 10 seconds, (laughs) I felt the leads slipping out of my hands and I shouted out loud in complete and utter despair as loudly as I could, dogs! And I tell you what, it worked. It broke the spell and they stopped straining and gasping and panting and I can actually turn around and walk away. Now, what my shouting also did was get the attention of the coyote, who, despite having paid us no attention before, now stopped dead, turned his head and stared straight at me. So I stared right back and I said, not you. And he trotted on.
Now, I wasn't worried about the dogs getting hurt if they'd managed to get off their leads. More that they would have chased that coyote through gardens across the whole neighbourhood, causing goodness knows how much destruction. And anyone who knows snow dogs can attest that they're not exactly reliable when it comes to recall, especially when their prey drive is at full throttle. Coyotes really are the kind of badasses of the desert, trolling around, like I said, as if they own the place. And they really do go wherever they please. Six foot or more garden walls pose absolutely no challenge, which is why my cats will never go outside again as long as we live here. You remember our beautiful cat Mitten, who was killed by a coyote just a month or so into us living here. We had no idea that a walled garden was absolutely no measure of safety. What continues to amaze me is just how many people who live here in Phoenix also don't know this. I'm really sad to say that not a week goes by without someone on next door reporting that their cat or invariably their small dog has been killed whilst outside in their yard. One particularly common story is the small doggy goes through the doggy door in the middle of the night to go to the loo, only to be savaged by a passing predator. But we have high fences. How did this happen, most people say in despair. It really is sad. I felt so much guilt after Mitten died that we'd brought her all of this way and through our own naivety she'd been killed. But now I see it's such a horrible, common mistake, even for people who've lived here their whole lives. It was my friend Jenny's birthday this week and I ended up having this very discussion with a woman I met there who kept chickens. How on earth do you keep chickens safe in this town, I'd asked her. But the coyotes are lining up. Oh yeah, and the hawks, and the bobcats, and the owls, she replied. The bigger predators are fairly easy to keep away, she told me. You just need to spend a lot of time and a lot of money constructing a really, really solid coop. We're talking digging three or four feet down so that the walls are well below ground so they can't be dug up easily. Extra strong chicken wire, of course, and a completely covered run. Those chickens aren't pecking around wherever they fancy in the yard. It's the smaller critters that are the problem, she said. I've lost four chickens this year to scorpions. They, of course, can walk right on through the wire. Often the chickens just pack them up and eat them for a snack. But if the scorpion's fast enough, he'll deliver a nasty sting on the face. And, well, the birds are goners. If I'm around and I see it happen, I can step in with some first aid, though, she said. Apparently she's saved about 10 birds this year by this method. I had to ask, what kind of first aid can you give a chicken for a scorpion sting? Benadryl, she said. You know the human antihistamine? You can buy it over the counter. Oh, yeah. Half a teaspoon of that. Pour it down their throats. And then you have to sit with them and hold their head up for about an hour. Apparently, the sting of a scorpion will close up their throats if left untreated, which causes them to die. But if you hold their heads up... That keeps the airways open and along with the Benadryl, the effects of the sting are minimal and they can get on with their chickeny day. Look at that. There's a lesson I bet you didn't think you'd learn this week. Before I head off into the boiling Arizona sunset, just another reminder that my brand new podcast, American Vigilante, launches in just a couple of days on September the 13th. Or, depending on when you're listening, it's out now. Think Death Wish meets the A-team. KC, 
not his real name, I don't know his real name, is a man who rescues kidnapped children, dispatches bad guys and kicks drug dealers out of neighbourhoods. But he operates completely outside the law. Is he a hero or a villain? Would you call him if you needed him? Or do you think he should be behind bars? Is he even telling me the truth? My summer has been one heck of a wild ride and I would love you to join me on it. Follow the podcast now by searching for American Vigilante wherever you get your podcasts or click the link in the episode notes of this show. Thank you so much. And I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 